Welcome to Eczema Breakthroughs, brought to you by Global Parents for Eczema Research, or Cheaper. This show features conversations between parents of children with eczema and the world's leading scientists and researchers who study eczema. Global Parents for Eczema Research is an international network of parents that advocates for better treatments and management options for children with eczema. Jeeper is led and comprised of parents of children with eczema and was formed in 2015 to address the critical need for research that answers questions of importance to patients and families. Learn more about Jeeper and subscribe to the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast at parentsforeczemaresearch.org. Dear Eczema, you came into our lives uninvited. We fell apart when we were once united. Each day you consumed more of my life as I went on a voyage of discovery wondering how to ease my son's suffering. My brain couldn't rest. Even when you slept, you crept into my mind, hopeless, panicked, and heartbroken. You have spread doubt and mistrust. We are weary of healthcare professionals. We are doubtful of well-meaning friends. Every time a flare appears, the anxiety comes rushing back like a tidal wave. We constantly live in fear that you will overtake him again. We existed in isolation. It caused more than one strange relationship. I cried with strangers, connected by our desperate search to ease our children's suffering. Many long sleepless nights, changing out bloody sheets was a fight. You introduced me to depression and anxiety. I couldn't see past a life without you in it, and I wanted to end it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Those were the voices of parents who shared what it's like to live with the mental health impacts of eczema through a Dear Eczema letter. Their spoken words were part of our World Atopic Eczema Day campaign this year, and you can hear some common themes emerge in their letters. Fear, anxiety, isolation. In this episode of the podcast, we really want to dig into the mental health impacts of eczema. And I think a long-standing sort of thinking about eczema was that it's just a rash. It's redness on the skin that's itchy. And that if you just treat the visible signs of eczema, eczema goes away. And really the mental health impacts of eczema weren't really on anyone's radar, or at least not in a prominent way, it seemed for quite some time. But increasingly in recent years, there's been a spate of research showing an association between eczema and mental health conditions like anxiety and depression. And those type of impacts actually extend to parents and caregivers as well. So a picture is emerging of this condition that extends well beyond the skin. And in fact, these psychosocial mental health impacts are kind of a hallmark symptom of eczema, it turns out. So today we want to dig into that a little bit further. And we have three guests with us. Dr. Mohamed Jafarani is a professor of psychodermatology, psychiatry, and behavioral sciences at Central Michigan University. He has been looking at the psychological impacts of skin diseases for quite some time. We also have Dr. Katrina Abuabara. She is associate professor at University of California, San Francisco. She studies the impact of inflammatory skin diseases with the aim of developing personalized interventions. And finally, we have Professor Andrew Thompson, who is a professor of clinical psychology and consultant clinical psychologist with Vail University Health Board and Cardiff University in the UK. His research focuses on understanding psychosocial aspects of skin diseases. Welcome to today's podcast. First of all, I think we wanted to start off by digging into the connection between mental health and eczema, because 
I think most people don't realize that there's this strong connection. So I wanted to ask you first, Dr. Abu Abara, if you could talk a little bit about your research and what we know about the connection between eczema and mental health. And maybe you can answer the question, isn't eczema just a skin condition? Great question. Increasingly, we're understanding that eczema is not just a skin condition, but a systemic inflammatory disorder that can impact many parts of the body. There's a number of reasons why we've done research to look at the association between eczema and mental health. There's the discomfort that comes from the itching and the pain, uncertainty of knowing what the future may hold, the impact of undergoing treatments and going to doctor's visits, the impact on social interactions, lifestyle factors like your diet or your ability to exercise, and just stress itself of having all of these things happen. In terms of stress, we know that it impacts both immune cell function in the skin and skin barrier function itself, which can exacerbate eczema. There's also the issue of poor sleep. We know patients with eczema sleep worse and their families sleep worse, and that certainly has an impact on mental health. And then there may also be some biology around the inflammation that can underlie both disorders. One of the more impactful studies that we recently did was we looked at a cohort of kids from the UK that were followed from when they were born into their teenage years. And they ask about eczema activity and severity every couple of years throughout their life. They also asked about sleep and mental health and well-being. And what we found was that children who had moderate to severe eczema had about a twofold increase in the risk of having depression or symptoms of internalizing behaviors, which are symptoms of depression or anxiety, things like they're saying their stomach hurts all the time, and they're highly predictive of developing mental health diagnoses later on. Yeah, really interesting. And I think we're still teasing out the why. Is inflammation actually putting you at risk for these conditions? Is there a physiological aspect to it? Or is it a function of how you have to live with eczema? So did want to just weave in maybe the patient and parent perspective just a little bit. And I know we can't extrapolate from personal experience to talk about everyone's experience, but I will say that for me, I for sure experienced anxiety and depression when my son's eczema was at its worst, although I did not recognize it at such at the time. But it felt like for me, it was really related to the crushing fatigue, just being awake all night, every night. And then my failure as a mother to keep my son from experiencing horrible suffering. Like I couldn't find a treatment that worked for him and to experience that 24 hours a day because your child also isn't sleeping will knock the wind out of you like nobody's business. And I think that can bring a kind of darkness. I think you did a really nice job of highlighting an important point that sometimes isn't as obvious. So in some of our research, we found that not only do kids have worse quality sleep, but the parents have both less sleep overall and worse quality sleep. But one thing was interesting when we did that research, we found that the amount of sleep quality wasn't directly tied to the kid's sleep. So certainly parents are waking up to help the kids when they're not sleeping, but parents are also waking up because they're dealing with the mental burden of everything you just talked about. And we've seen that in some of our qualitative research as well. A lot of the caregivers talk about this uncertainty and these feelings of distress around not knowing the right things to do or feeling like there's an answer somewhere and the endless searching for these answers. And that can create a huge psychological toll. Yeah, great overview. And I think the fundamental role that you have as a parent, which is to prevent your child from experiencing suffering and harm, when you can't do that, it's incredibly crushing. 
I do think it is a place where parent and patient input could elucidate what is going on here because we don't totally know. And I know one thing that comes to mind from my family's experience is this concept of learned helplessness when you're subjected to something unpleasant, but you can't do anything about it. It causes depression and it has mental health impacts. And eczema can be like that. You finally get it under control, but you're waiting for the other shoe to drop because it comes and goes as it pleases. You don't know where the trigger is going to be that causes it to return. And so that causes a lot of anxiety for people. Like, are they going to go back to that dark place when they were so itchy and in so much pain? And that feeling of not being in control of your own body and your own health and that feeling of helplessness. I'm just speaking from experience, not from any research. Perhaps that's part of this too. And highlighting what it is that patients and parents are feeling could help explain this. I think it's really important to hear the patient voice because that information can really help think about the interventions and the type of support that you need. Yeah. Parents often say there's a frustration with getting treatment, both for the skin condition and sometimes for the distress associated with it. Yeah. Dr. Abubar, can you talk about when these type of mental health symptoms might emerge? Yeah, we saw a similar trend across all ages. So the earliest age they asked about internalizing behaviors in the study was at age four. And we saw a similar increase at that age, even as teenagers. So that was important, I think. The biggest increases, as you would expect, were for kids with more severe disease. But even for kids with mild disease and even very young children, we were seeing this impact. So I think it highlights how important it is to consider what's going on with eczema beyond the skin. Yeah, powerful and has lessons for how we approach care for people with eczema and considering these impacts in the clinical visit as well, which is unusual right now. Yeah, I think it's really important to acknowledge the distress that children and families experience but it's also really important to say most people cope with what can be a burdensome condition eczema along with other skin conditions is very much biopsychosocial i don't think you can understand it from one disciplinary perspective we're finding out that inflammation is implicated in mental health as well so it's important for treatment to treat it holistically and I think that's why it's great that you've invited us all here. So we've got dermatologists, we've got psychiatrists, we've got psychologists, and so we're all working on trying to improve people's quality of life with eczema. Dr. Jafarani, were you going to add something? Let's first find the scientific link between why these people develop mental illness. Whenever we are stressed, there's a fight and flight response. So stress hormones are released from our body and it affects our immunity. And this affects atopic dermatitis, more flare-up, more anxiety. So the whole vicious circle is going on. Now, when you talk about anxiety and depression, parents need to know there are typical symptoms of depression, which could be having no motivation, no energy to do things, feeling sad, depressed, sleep problems, eating problems. They may happen. So when a person goes to a dermatologist for atopic dermatitis, it is mandatory that these people must be screened for any underlying depression, anxiety, or any other psychological element. And accordingly, it should be treated. Yeah, and I wanted to ask a follow-up question. 
because I don't know the answer and I'm curious about it. How common are these impacts? Talking to the parents that we interact with, which are almost entirely dealing with moderate to severe eczema, it just seems to be so common to be dealing with anxiety and depression. People with atopic dermatitis, they do have some level of psychological impairment. This has been very well documented in literature. Yeah, I think it depends how you define fine. Most of the research has been done with surveys, which aren't really a good substitute for proper clinical interview with adults. One of the things that we've been doing in our research is actually trying to identify some of those psychological variables that might differentiate between people that cope well than those that maybe struggle a little bit more. And if you identify those sorts of factors, then you can build those into your interventions. Yeah, great point, like coping and resilience and all of those type of things that are important. There is individual variation in ability to tolerate uncertainty. You can build that for people. You can build their tolerance with things like self-compassion, mindfulness, and so on. And a lot of our research shows that those factors are important in terms of how people adjust not only with their own skin condition, but also with their child's skin conditions. And of course, we can build those into our interventions as well. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. And I love your comments because this is a perfect segue. The good news is there are things we can do about this. And it's wonderful that we have interventions that have been studied and we can help children and families with these impacts. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. We have so far talked about how in these children with eczema, moderate to severe eczema, the impact extends to the whole family. And can we talk about some of the interventions that Dr. Thompson, you recently published about, and then Dr. Jafarani, about yours as well. Yeah, sure. Thanks. It's literally just hot off the press. So what we did is we took Susan Bogle's mindful parenting intervention and delivered that as a group intervention to parents of children with eczema. It's an eight-week course. I've done it myself. It's pretty intensive. It is a cognitive therapy approach, and it does have quite a lot of intense psychological therapy in there. It does have some yoga in there as well, and involves some guided discovery and trying to identify what might need to change, but without forcing that upon parents. So parents often identify that the way that they're dealing with their stress might be compounding the situation, and it gives them techniques to manage that and to manage their own stress. We also interviewed people at the end and we had a follow-up and it did seem to make a difference in how people were feeling about managing their skin condition. What we've not done is involve the children and that's needed. I've got a PhD student at the moment who's working with different populations and I know there's work going on over in America as well looking at this and it seems to be tolerated by people and beneficial. Yeah, just being able to manage those symptoms through mindfulness seems like a great gift to give both parents and kids. Dr. Jafarani, you want to talk about your family seminars a little bit? Yeah, so basically on the family side, it's always good to involve the family when your patient is a young child or adolescent. So the family education about why this problem happens, what could happen in the future, how could we treat it. So once they know about the whole nature of the whole psychosocial context of the problem, things get much better then. And then the therapy part, there are different types of therapies. 
habit reversal therapies, some relaxation techniques like yoga or some meditations and even writing a journal to keep themselves distracted. That also helps a lot. There are lots of uh, apps available on their cell phone, like meditation apps, which they can utilize to help calm them down. Dr. Jafarani, could you talk a little bit more about habit reversal therapy? Because I know this is a tool that children can use to manage the itch-scratch cycle. So by habit reversal therapy, we try to teach them the awareness of the problem and some substitution techniques and some competing response type of problems. So they try to learn how to interfere their urge to scratch by utilizing the skills they learn from the habit reversal therapy. So that's interesting. They can learn to substitute a different habit for the habit of scratching. I'd love to learn more about that. So can you talk a little bit about medications that might help here for both children and their parents? Medications are recommended for those patients who have significant diagnosable depression or anxiety, which is interfering with their functioning, whether at school or work. Because to improve the quality of life, I think this is very important to encourage them to take medications along with therapy. However, the main problem which we always face is stigma. So trying to make them understand the biological aspects and the neurophysiology, how the stress level builds up. So I would suggest that medication must be considered. They are very helpful. Yeah. The other thing I take from your comments, Dr. Jafarani, is I feel like sometimes when we think mental health impacts, our minds automatically go to these people need to see a psychiatrist. And that's not necessarily the case, um, that there's a range of interventions that could be helpful here. If a treating provider is focusing on anxiety and depression in children and adolescents particularly, if they should be screened out clearly, it will help a lot. When should a patient or parent seek help? Really at the earliest opportunity. We should be sort of encouraging people to seek the support that they deserve and need. These are common human reactions that we're talking about and there's support out there if you ask for it. And there are some support groups available nowadays and parents and patients, they must join those groups. There are some groups available on the Facebook, Instagram, and they should follow those. Yeah. And I think having opportunity to talk to people in a similar situation is immensely supportive. Groups aren't for everyone, but group support can be very useful. And I'm going to be shameless and give a little plug for one of our programs because we actually offer a peer support program for caregivers that we developed three years ago in response to our own research on caregiver burden, where we found just really high levels of depression, anxiety, isolation, helplessness among caregivers of children with moderate to severe eczema. So after we published it, we were just sitting there, what are we going to do about this? And as a parent-based organization, we launched this parent-to-parent program, which is really about the things that you just talked about, connecting with other parents who understand, being able to talk about it, and find that listening support that so many of us need because it's incredibly isolating. And we do you know, make a point of if someone needs something beyond peer support, that's when we need to refer out to individuals like all of you to get proper care but it can be a nice bridge to that. And it can be enough for a lot of people just to have the peer support. 
it doesn't always have to be a medical intervention. It can be just support from others who understand and it can be really powerful. I totally agree. This is a very important point. We will include a link to that program in the episode summary. And I do want to note that it's free and available to any parent anywhere who is facing the challenges of managing moderate to severe eczema in children. I want to ask one question that I find really fascinating. And that is, if the eczema is under control, do these things disappear? And then conversely, if we treat mental health impacts, do we see an improvement in eczema? And maybe you could start, Dr. Abu Abara, since you might have some insight from your work. I think it's hard to say definitively for everyone. Certainly some of the new systemic treatments have shown in early studies improvements, not only on the skin, but also on mental health outcomes and sleep. So that's good news. On the flip side, there's also really interesting research about treating sleep There's been studies in kids where they've done randomized trials and shown that if you just treat kids with eczema with melatonin, that uh, their eczema and sleep improves. So not necessarily changing anything about their eczema treatment, but if the sleep gets better, the eczema may also get better. If sleep's a real issue for your child or your family, that may be something to ask for help with. Yeah, that's promising. And I feel like if we can do both, we may just be able to address this problem altogether. And I'll say as a parent of a child with moderate to severe eczema, it's very hopeful and encouraging to hear from dedicated people who are looking at this issue and uncovering solutions to it and helping us understand the origins and the relationships. So thank you for the work that you do and for attending the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. And that concludes the discussion portion of our podcast today. Thank you for joining us. We'd like to feature a few more words from parents who share their experiences with the mental health impacts of eczema in the final moments here. Dear eczema, I see you. You are never gone. Yet, in the midst of the life that was crappy, you taught me how to be happy. You've caused a lot of trauma and pain, yet the fire in our hearts always remain. You have connected us to new friends and whole communities change daily living more thoughtful. Although you will likely be a constant battle in his life, he will win the war. You gave suffering, but a deeper love is what I gained. You knock occasionally nowadays, but the door is barred. Adios, eczema. Yours sincerely, Lenita. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Eczema parent and advocate, Carrie. If you decide to show your ugly face again, You'll be greeted with anything but grace then. With love, eczema caregiver and advocate, Christine. Sincerely, Angela Fox, the mom of a boy no longer ashamed to live in his own skin. Sincerely hereby, Belia Somersvidan. Dear eczema, you can go now. I'm Tanya. Today's podcast was made possible in part by Insight, member of the Global Parents for Eczema Research Corporate Council. You've been listening to the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast. To learn more and join Global Parents for Eczema Research or to subscribe to this podcast, please visit us at parentsforeczemaresearch.org. And if you enjoy our podcast, consider supporting it with a tax-deductible donation through our website. We depend on listeners like you to keep producing high-quality, science-based episodes. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast. Thank you.